This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. How many of you hold your breath when you're driving past a cemetery? Or avoid stepping on the sidewalk crack, under a ladder, or in front of a black cat? There are a lot of superstitions out there, and we recently had someone reach out to us trying to get to the bottom of an old funeral tradition. So for our Lost and Found series, we assigned a member of the Reset team to figure out where the tradition comes from. And we're joined now by our show's digital engagement producer, Claire Hyman. Hey, Claire. Hey, Sasha. Tell us about this email that you got, because it start, started you on quite the journey. Yeah, it did. So I'm just going to read it to you okay. so you see exactly what I got. Um, so the email said, my mother grew up in Chicago in Wrigley Field. She's 75, and she told me that when she was a little girl, it was a tradition that when a funeral hearse or procession would go down the street, people on the sidewalk would stop and place their hand on their shirt and hold a button out of respect for the deceased. And she said she looked around for it online, couldn't find anything about it, was curious. People hold the button on their shirt yes. as the procession goes by. Yeah, and she didn't really know why, but she grew up doing it. Yeah. So I hear that you went to the source, the source yes. of all sources, Julie's mom. Julie's mom, So yes. what did Julie's mom say? So Julie's mom is about 75, and she remembers participating in this superstition as a kid, walking back and forth from grammar school. She said her parents told her to do it. It was something that all her relatives did. You just stopped and you held your button. And she taught her daughter to do the same. And it was interesting when I talked to her because she said she wasn't really a superstitious person. Okay. She just This is just something that she did. And she said she doesn't do it anymore um, and hasn't really seen other people do it. And she also told me that it, when she did it, it wasn't really like um, to ward off something bad. It was kind of felt like a melancholy sign of respect. Yeah. So I, first of all, my hat goes off to you, Claire, because <laughs> where do you start with this one? This is very different than our other lost and found questions that right. we've received, right? Right. Totally. What we've looked at so far is maybe we're finding a specific class or a place or a recipe or something, but this is a little different. So I, from what I initially found clicking around online, a lot of people said, hey, this sounds like Victorian Um funeral superstition. So I reached out to Chris Woodyard, who's the author of Victorian Book of the Dead, and she had a lot of resources for me. Um, she said it doesn't sound like an official Victorian morning superstition, um, but it does kind of sound in line with some of the things they believed. And I learned there are a lot of superstitions specifically about funeral processions. Mm. Um, they, they said it was bad luck if a shadow fell on a hearse. And it was also bad luck if you viewed the coffin through the cordage window or pointed your finger at one. So there was a lot. There's wow. a lot there. Mm -hmm. So you were also able to find an expert in funeral yes. history traditions, which how do you sign up for that job? Yeah. Uh, but let's listen to what Chris Raymond, who is a longtime writer for Funeral Trade Publication, had to say about the meaning behind this tradition. Yeah. The idea behind it is basically on the utility of a button, which in the 21st century most of us don't give any thought to, right? It's just a humble little thing. But without it, our pants and our skirts and our shirts would fly open. But a button connects one piece of fabric to another. And it's that connection that touching the button is supposed to be about. So when you see a hearse or that funeral procession, you either touch or hold a button in order to remain connected to the living. Otherwise, that hearse will come and collect you or you will be in the next funeral procession. Oh my God, this is this is yeah. interesting. I, I think I'm going to start holding my shirt button just to be sure when a hearse goes by. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, Chris also told me that a 
a part of this belief was because um, with a lot of Victorian era superstitions, um, when people die, their spirits would be released and they might, if it's an evil spirit, they might want to inhabit another body. So a lot of these superstitions are about warding off the prospect of that happening. Okay. Yeah. Chris said uh, this tradition reminded him of a couple other superstitions too. Let's listen to that. Sure. The Victorians, even though they were very straight-laced, they were kind of kooky in their way, and a lot of that is manifested in their superstitions and things. And so another tradition along that same line, or superstition, I should say, is that when a body or when somebody died at home, the superstition was that they needed to be carried out feet first because if they were carried out head first, they might look back through the open doorway at a family member or loved one and beckon them to join them in the land of the dead. It's kind of macabre. Chris is enjoying talking about that a little too much. Are you superstitious, Claire? Because I'm not really big on them. I feel like I've just never been that person to be the initiator of some Mm -hmm. superstitions. People usually have to remind me about things like, oh, don't walk under that ladder. I'll be like, oh, right. And Mm -hmm. I'll just kind of, you know, I'll just do it just because. Yeah, I think this... uh... Doing this research made me realize that I am situationally superstitious and I don't know why I do certain things. It's just kind of comforting, like before I perform or something, like eating a very specific meal. Like if I don't have two and a half chicken tenders, like it's going to go poorly. (laughs) And so in that way, I feel like two and a half. It has to be two and a half. I am a little superstitious, I've realized. Oh, Claire. Reset digital engagement producer Claire Hyman. Thank you so much for sharing what you found. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. We are talking about superstitions, if you can't tell. The conversation was inspired by someone who wrote to the show. They were trying to figure out the origin of a funeral tradition from their mother's childhood. We're actually going to keep the conversation going and look at the purpose of superstitions and where they come from. So joining us now is psychologist and author Stuart Weiss. He wrote Believe in Magic, the Psychology of Superstition, and Superstition, a very short introduction. Welcome to Reset, Stuart. Glad to be here. So to start, how do you define superstition? I define it as uh, very simply as being a belief or action that is inconsistent with science, with what we know about the natural world through science. And and uh, usually the the additional thing is that it is aimed at some goal, either avoiding bad luck or bringing on something good. And those those are really the only requirements at the moment for it, although the definition has changed a lot over the years. So do we know how long superstitions have been around? Well, people have been doing things that, you know, were magical and and bizarre from the beginnings of history and, and we would call those superstitions. But like but what? What do you con- mean? I mean there's always been fortune telling and attempts to have a magical effects on other people and so forth. It's just as old as civilization. The concept really started out as being a bad religion. Uh, you know, it's it's been, for most of the history of superstition, it's been in relation to whatever was the established religion of that time. So it began actually as being obsessive about religion. Uh, the Greeks used a, a word called desidaimonia, which which meant that you were overly pious. And, you know, of course, the Greeks were interested in maintaining moderation. And if you did too much of your praying and, and making of sacrifices, then you were called superstitious. So help us understand this funeral superstition that we, we got a question about. 
holding a shirt button when a hearse goes yeah. by. What, what, is, what does that really mean? This was a new one for me. I had not <laughs> yeah. heard for that particular one, and I'm, I'm always, I'm always glad to hear about a new superstition. Death is a big cause of fear and and worry, and it is un, it is uncertain. It can happen suddenly. Uh, so there are many superstitions that are aimed at avoiding fearful things. Control over the over the uncertainty of life is a big part of what superstition does for people. So tell us about uh, superstitions across cultures. Are there consistencies? Well, the consistency is that every culture has superstitions. I mean, but they do vary considerably uh, depending upon the culture you're in. I'm, for example, fascinated with the superstitions in Asia where eight is a lucky number and four is an unlucky number. And so you'll notice that many Chinese businesses have have phone numbers that have lots of eights in them because they're considered to be good luck mm-hmm. and the and the color red is is good luck so so there are all these differences across cultures one of the one of the superstitions that I have also been interested in uh, because it's so widespread but it's slightly different in each culture is the evil eye mm, uh, yes. you know, there, there's this concern about the evil eye and I grew up actually in the Chicago area sort of a default Midwesterner. And I had never heard of the evil eye until I was well into my adulthood. But it is uh, very common in in South Asia, in the Middle East, in South America. But it has some yeah. somewhat slightly different versions of it in all those places. Yeah. And so many of us have heard of certain superstitions, Stuart, and have no idea what it really means, but we'll go along with it anyway. Why do we do that? Why do we rely on superstitions even when we know they're irrational. Right. I, I love that. It is a truth. I mean, there are many people who are very superstitious, and they will tell you point blank, they know that it's silly, uh, they know that it can't be true, but they just feel better if they do it. And the thing is, is that it's a very emotional thing. And if you grew up in a family, or if you grew up around people who exercise these superstitions, uh, they do have, I think, in the moment that you're doing it, even though it's you know, you you know rationally that it's that it can't be true. There's an emotional feeling in the moment that at least you're doing something that will bring on good luck or avoid bad luck. Yeah. And that that immediate feeling is enough to keep keep people doing it. Do you think we're becoming a less superstitious society? Unfortunately, no. I, I <laughs> They're don't. just piling on. I, yeah, I mean, I I'm not in favor of uh, you know adding more superstitions to the to the list, uh, uh, but I think I think that there is a tendency now. Uh, there's a movement away from scientific thinking among many people, and and uh, and there is a lot of uncertainty and fear still in in everyday life, and so I think that uh, if anything, we may be moving in the other direction with with more people believing in things that are irrational and mm. uh, and superstitious. Well, before you go, I, I got to ask, because you wrote books on the topic, <laughs> would you consider yourself a superstitious person? No, I feel like I owe a great debt to people who are superstitious because I've had an, a nice career of writing about it. But, but I'm actually not a, a superstitious person at all. I, I do think that we're all susceptible to it. You know, I, there have been moments I have been, you know, in a, in a nervous situation, like flying in turbulence, when someone will point out that I'm, I've been in the 13th row of the airplane. And for a moment, I have like a little uh, reaction. 
Um, I think we're all susceptible in that way. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, no, I am not a superstitious person. That's psychologist and author Stuart Weiss. Stuart, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. All right, we want to go on to our next lost and found journey with you. So if there is something in Chicago that you are looking for, whether it is the backstory of an old superstition or maybe it's a place in the city to get the best spicy peppers or maybe you're looking for a lost painting or maybe you want to take pickleball pickleball lessons. We want to help you find it, whatever it is. So share your question with us by leaving us a voicemail at 888-915-9945. Again, that number is 888-915-9945. You can also send us an email at reset at wbez.org.